And now, the Horror Stories Podcast. Greetings, you wonderful person. I'm Robert Crandall. I read horror stories by great authors like Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, and others. Now 177 episodes for you to listen to, and they can be found at HorrorStoriesPodcast.com or wherever you find podcasts. If you'd like to help support the show, you can do so on the website, and any contribution would be greatly appreciated. Our feature story for this episode was written by a living author by the name of Tim Chismar who I met not long ago. He is a two-time Amazon bestseller. His writings uh, were in a Bram Stoker award-winning book. His current book, titled Modern Madness, Gateway to the Grotesque, has some chilling stories in it. You know, one of the most frightening crimes is serial murder. And in our feature story, serial murderers operate a bed and breakfast. So be careful where you spend the night. Let's listen now to Dead and Breakfast by Tim Chismar. sun rises over the dark sculpted Carpathian mountains of Romania, where nestled deep within there sits a tiny forgotten village. In many ways, it is still bound to its old world traditions and customs. It's a land not seen by many from the Western world, especially from travelers from the United States. For you'd have to be a world-renowned explorer to come this far. Inside a building with a sign that marks Happy Bed and Breakfast, an older couple sits at a table with one such traveler. A couple, now in their later years of life, sits at the breakfast table with a guest. This is Ma and Pa, and this is their establishment. Ma has red, sad eyes, as though something has gutted her happiness from the inside and she lost her smile many years before. Pa is slightly more upbeat, but is still worn down by something dark, which has taken its toll on this couple. They haven't been truly happy in a long time. And it shows. Their guest this morning sits at the table in a business suit and is ready to take on the day in a short while after nourishment. His mouth is stuffed with spiced meat and emotions towards his now empty glass. The old man nods and gets up in the direction of a pitcher of orange juice. He brings it back and sets it on the table. The couple knowingly locks eyes for a moment, but she looks away, choosing not to see what comes next. The guest chews away, unaware of the glance or its meaning while from behind the suited man, Pa slips on a chokehold. A struggle ensues, and suddenly there's chaos with violent kicking and thrusting, 
Cups knock over on the table, and Pa is rammed backwards, about nearly losing his grip in the thrusting. Pa begins to fade. The suited man looks at Ma, who averts his gaze, only looking away and afraid to get physically involved. Pa lets him slump in his chair, finally dead. He falls forward onto the table. Pa sits cross from Ma. She looks at him now with sadness and remorse. He takes her hand in his. I almost lost him there. Strong buck, that one, Pa says in his thick accent. I saw that. Saw you, too. Ma squeezes his hand. You know we can't keep doing this. Pa starts to say something, but ultimately has to agree with her. He knows she's right. Deep down, even he knows, time catches up to us all. Pa says, Yeah, right. It's time. When do we stop? How many more must we? One more. One more. The next guest will be the last one. You promise the last one? Pa nods. The last one. Ma rests her head on Pa's shoulder, and they lightly embrace, still as deeply in love as the day they wed. They fall into an embrace, lips and tongues tangled in passion, oblivious to the horror before them. A dead man is still on their kitchen table. Later that same day, Ma changes the outdoor sign to vacancy, as Pa drags the guest out into the backyard. Ma changes the linens on the bed. Pa wipes the sweat from his forehead with a gloved hand while digging with the shovel into the earth. The newly arrived guests exit their cabs while Ma and Pa look at each other knowingly. The two females get an eerie vibe from the bed and breakfast. Both girls seem nervous but especially Annie. The house with dusty knitted knickknacks and doilies had an old-fashioned smell about it. They are tourists visiting from the United States. Annie has dark hair, a pokey nose, and enchanting eyes. She is very excited and has a look about her like this is her birthday. Visiting this land is something she's always wanted to do. Fate and circumstance has finally brought her here. The other girl, Kate, has known Annie forever since they were young. She has blonde hair and an overall friendly disposition. She is pleased with how things are going, but she never would have come here if not for her best friend. So what did you tell them? Kate asked her longtime bestie. I just sent them a letter letting them know about the surprise. They don't have a phone. It's an old-fashioned kind of place. The door opens, and the girls come face-to-face -face with Pa. He seems a bit uneasy. They were younger than what he had expected. He stares at them intensely, wondering whether or not he will have the strength to do what's necessary when the time came. The last visitor almost got away and he knew there wasn't much fight left in his old body. Come on in, 
Pa stares intensely. I guess you were expecting us. It's very nice to meet you. I'm Annie. Pa rudely cuts her off. This is my wife. She'll show you to your room. Pa turns and stands behind the older lady. Ma doesn't say a word. She ducks off into her room to retrieve sheets, towels, etc. Kate whispers, They're not very friendly. It's almost like they don't even want us here. Ma leads them up to their room. An awkward silence grows with each step as they make their way up. The elderly lady finally breaks it by saying, It's quaint, but you'll be close to town. We ask that you not have any boys over, please. Certainly not. Annie is sincerely aghast at the thought. Why not? Kate says, cheerful at the thought. There's been trouble in the past, comes the reply from Pa behind them all. Kate giggles. Her friend gives her a cut-it-out look. After seeing the bedroom, Paul leads them towards the kitchen. Along the way, Annie notices family pictures, including pictures of a baby. Grandchild! Ignoring Annie, Pa continues on to the kitchen. This is the site of some of the best cinnamon buns you'll ever have. Maybe we'll have some tomorrow. Opening the back door, they go into the yard and notice a child's playset all alone. Ma turns to the girls. Ah, uh, yes, the post you asked about it hasn't arrived yet. I'll let you know as soon as it does. Annie is crestfallen, but does some math in her head and is okay with it. Annie says, No worries, it'll be here soon enough. Kate says, that's a shame, but as long as we've got time, let's go into town. Shower works fine if you girls want to use it before you go out. Sometime later, a shower is running, and Annie is singing. Pa walks by the door with bad intentions. He turns the knob and cracks the door. Annie is behind the shower curtain. He looks as her shape through the film and something about it doesn't feel right. Then he changes his mind and goes for the other girl. He makes his way down the hallway and towards the guest bedroom. The door has no knob on it. He peers through the hole and sees Kate finish sliding a shirt over her black bra. Paul walks in, puts his hands on her. At first, she's intrigued with the stranger. She wonders where this could go. She likes older men. But then he gets rough, and she twists to get away. In the struggle, her purse is knocked open, spilling its contents. She manages to grasp a knife she brought for protection. She slides it open and swings the blade. The older man is cut, yet he gets the knife from her and proceeds to cut her face. She falls and attempts to hold her face together. He swings again and again, and then finishes her off with his preferred choke. He leaves the room holding his injury. The gash in his left arm leaks life's fluid. Annie leaves the steamy bathroom. 
She walks the hall wearing frumpy, comfy clothes and enters the guest room. She immediately sees an unwanted sight. It's the lifeless body of her dear friend. The danger that she feels herself in washes over her, and this causes her to turn and run. Annie runs to the kitchen in madness and despair. In the run, she can see Ma from afar. Oh, my God, you won't believe this. I think my friend is dead. Somebody broke in. Oh, honey, come here. It's almost over. When she gets up to Ma, this kindly old lady turns and brings a frying pan down on her skull. As Annie's body crumples to the hardwood floor, she thinks to herself, Why? In the living room area next to the large brick fireplace, Annie groggily came to. Through foggy eyes, she can make out the images of Ma and Pa coming into focus. She struggles at first before realizing she is gagged and bound to a large chair. Her struggles get her nowhere. Emotions are running high, and she feels overwhelmed. Pa and Ma see she's now awake. Pa leans forward. I wish there had been another way, but there just wasn't. Ma adds, You are the last one. Ten years ago, we sent our daughter to America. Ma jumps in enthusiastically. So she could have a better life. And you know, I guess she did. She even had a baby, made us grandparents. Annie can't hear this right now. She struggles and can't believe what she's hearing. She needs to communicate with them. Now, now, it'll be over soon. We opened this business, but it just didn't make enough money to be able to send to them, so we haven't seen them in over 20 years. But still, we sent the money. Pa and Ma look at each other. We decided to borrow our guest possessions, tips, ourselves. The first time was an accident. I got too rough with someone that didn't appreciate her cinnamon rolls. He laughs. But then we realized it must be fate. God wants us here to help show these people it's their time to go. We don't invite them. They come of their own free will. If we can help our child at the same time, then glory be to God. Glory is always to God. Ma and Pa have a strange look about them that basically says they've accepted this as good reasoning. The victim continues to moan and kick against the restraints. Pa moves in behind her. Ma looks away, distancing herself from what is indeed God's will. You are the last one. Take solace in that fact. Pa wraps his arms around her neck, as he has done in killing so many guests over the years. There is fight left in her, but not much. She readies herself, glaring at him. In a moment, it will all be over. There is a knocking at the door, interrupting the moment. 
Ma and Pa share a glance. Pa lays a finger aside his lips and points to the window. She looks out. That damn nosy neighbor. Pa relaxes a bit and puts a blanket over the girl's body, then opens the door while hiding what's behind him. He steps onto the porch to talk to this intruder. Hello, I saw you have more renters here. That's super. How may I help you? Me? Oh, no, no, I came to help you. She laughs. Got some more of your mail again. Here you go. She hands a letter to Pa. You know, you are welcome to join Theodore and I for sauerkraut or cabbage rolls any time. I can't wait to tell you about my son's new baby. Oh, it's the cutest thing. Pa nods and begins to close the door. Well, goodbye then. She stares at the closed door. Once inside, Pa opens the letter. Oh, my Lord, it's from Mary. Ma looks up, knowing the name of their long-lost daughter. Pa begins to read. Mother and Father, I've missed you. I had so many problems as a child, and I'm only writing you this after successfully completing years of intense therapy. I'm finally at a place in my life to make amends with my past wrongs. I've fought addiction and a lot of bad choices, including leaving my homeland and avoiding my family. I never wanted you to see me struggle. I've accepted the money you've sent and used it to raise your granddaughter right. In the first of many steps to heal this rift, I've sent her to you. Your guest this week, Annie, is your flesh and blood. I look forward to... Pa stops reading, then freaks out, screaming, No, no, no. He sees the outline of the girl with the blanket on her still where he left her by the fireplace. Pa is unsure what to do. Ma takes the envelope and pulls from it a photo. She shows it to Pa. It's a black and white photo of their visitor. We can explain it to her. The old man says, Tell her it was all for her and make amends for the loss of her friend, but at least our granddaughter is still alive. Ma sits on the couch in shock. He runs to the blanket-covered girl and places his hand on her arm. Annie, we're so sorry. This is horrible, but we'll make it up to you. Ma starts crying uncontrollable sobs. The blanket is pulled off, and for the first time, Paul looks on at his granddaughter and knows why Ma is crying. Her body is still intact but the head is beaten in, caving her skull, and she's losing an eye in the bashing. Pa noticed the frying pan lying next to the chair. Pa lost feeling in his legs and fell to his knees, joining his wife in the sobs. In the depths of despair, Ma reads aloud from the letter, If my plans go correctly, I should be arriving in a day or two after Annie does. I'll see you both soon. 
please show me the same love that you did to her without even knowing how special she would be. been listening to Dead and Breakfast by Tim Chismar from his book, Modern Madness, Gateway to the Grotesque. I hope there are always stars in your skies, peace in your heart, and wisdom in your thoughts. I've enjoyed being with you, but now I must go. Please be well, and thank you for listening to me.